This is Kelly Higgins Divine on ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland. The average Australian, hashtag not all Aussies, like a bit of sport is like saying Dracula likes a bit of blood. But how has sports broadcasting changed over the years? How did Australian sports announcers used to sound? And how has that changed in the modern era? To have a word in your ear, Professor Rolly Sussex, hello. A sports enthusiast, but not a professional. Mm, and from ABC Grandstand... Man who's made this his career, Quentin Hull, hello. Kel, Rowling, nice to be with you. It is an art form, isn't it? People can think it's, it's, it's easy, but if you've ever tried it, even for five minutes, it's exhausting and it's actually difficult. And ever-evolving as well, mm. Kel, as the way that language changes, mm. as to what we're going to talk about today, and as a way that the sports change as well. Mm. So the way that we communicate between each other has changed, mm. and the way that sport is played is changed. So obviously when your job is to communicate the story of a sports match, well, you need to move with the times in the level of communication between yourself and your listener and, of course, speak in the modern terminology of the game that you're trying to broadcast. Mm. Now, of course, sporting vocabulary, uh, Rolly Sussex, has it's very specific to individual codes. It's sometimes very specific. I mean, the, the terms from AFL that we know and use, things like, you know, crumbing and, and in ruck and so on, mm. uh, or, the, or the forward pocket, these things are totally inscrutable to someone from overseas. They have no idea what it is, and they don't seem to, to translate out of AFL. However, there are teams, uh, there are words and expressions that we've got from the Americans, like, you know, the, the dugout and the, and the draft mm. and so on, yep. and double zone, zone defence and, and, and double team and so on. I think these have come from basketball, haven't they? And fielding position in cricket is one of the uh, yeah. mm. one of the most unique sporting terminologies. I mean, where in the hell do you come up with a uh, a forward short leg? You know. <laughs> How forward is your short leg? And of course, as the as the game has progressed, uh, with the uh, the wonderful feats of women's cricketers, now just what do we call third man when we're describing mm. a women's cricket match? They That's just nice. call it third man, wouldn't they? Deep I third. Bet they do. Deep, yep. deep, deep third. Call it deep third. Instead of third man, we have player deep of the third. match, not man of the match, mm -hmm. and third man becomes deep third. That's, that's nice. And, of course, batsman has become batter, hasn't it? Well, or although not. in the laws of the game, it is still batsman, non-gender specific, and it's still a quite a, a point of contention because Ooh. batter is a very much a baseball terminology. Yeah. Yep. And uh, in the, under the laws of the game, be you male or female, you are a batsman. But the way that uh, we try and flip sentences, for example, instead of, um, for example, Meg Lanning being the number three Batsman, mm. Meg Lanning bats at number three. Ah, or so she is the number three bat instead of saying batter. So, so you it, kind it, of, it's very tricky. Yeah, you finesse around it. Yeah, mm. Because, again, the, the wisdom then is, is actually correct historically because when, when chairman and so on was made into chairman, it had nothing to do with gender at all. Mm -hmm. Man just meant someone who fulfilled the post. And because of the structure of society, they tended to be men. Mm. Nowadays, we've got a great women's cricket game going. And uh, there's a bit of a, perhaps a, a confrontation coming up, I wonder. Mm. So I wonder with, then how we, in Australia, with, with phrases like, even though you know, there are many people who do play softball or baseball, like stepping up to the plate. We all know what it means, but very few of us have played the game. And there are colloquialisms that are used 
in generic terms across mm. a number of sports, the way that we may refer to many other action in life, which has mm. been derived from a, a totally separate action that you're describing. I think sport broadcasting, albeit having to be careful when it uh, derives terms from other sports. Yeah. Uh, for so example, you're not mixing your sporting metaphors. Exactly. I mean, yeah. And, and the way here's a small example: the way that uh, you know, in a rugby league, rugby union, or soccer game. The definition of halfway is very simple. There's a painted line on the pitch, mm. and we can talk about halfway either side thereof when it comes to league union soccer. But now the way that AFL has been played, traditionally the halfway point is termed true centre wing. Mm. But now with the flooding and the way that the ball moves, it is increasingly creeping into the AFL vernacular that you're talking about teams stuck in their own half yeah. and now the long kick beyond halfway. Uh, this is something that we have to move with warily, particularly someone like myself who broadcasts mm. a number of different football codes. You don't want to have the AFL-centric uh, listeners coming to you, oh, you're, you're, you're dipping into rugby mm. league-type terminology here. No, it, it, it is a way that because when you used to have footballers standing in forward pockets, half-back flanks, wings, half-forwards, forward, now that they all swarm to one side and the other, the determination of whose half has become more important in the game. That's Let, fascinating. It is. Let's have a bit of a listen to some AFL commentary, or maybe VFL then, from the 1960s. Oh, he's a good 50 yards out, Butch. There's his kick now. This is swinging in. I tell you what, this is going to be close. It's touched, I think. That's his third and a tremendous effort. Doesn't seem to have changed much, really. For me, what do you guys reckon? Yards, of course. Oh, yards, yeah, yep. First and foremost. And one of the most common terms that we use in AFL broadcasting these days, Rolly, mm. is inside 50. Oh, yeah. Kicks mm. inside 50. Now, everyone knows what that means now because there's a 50-metre arc painted on the ground, but that was never a part of the markings on the ground until the late mm. 80s, early really? 90s. Okay. Yep, I'd forgotten about that. Didn't know that. Because yep. oh. I've, I've been going to AFL since 1950 with my grandma. I was present at the grand final in 1953, no less. Oh, nice. Ah. So when Who you're won? doing... Hmm? Who won? Geelong. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good year for the pussycats. So, of course, that description of action is yes. the primary role of the sports broadcaster. Mm. And if you were to say inside 50, back in the 1950s... Wouldn't have been. There is no relation to form a word picture. Of, mm, of what's, no. what's going on. But these days, well, and, and as statistics have come into the oh, game, yeah. we have the inside 50s, the rebound 50s, and we even use such terms now because it's become a, a common part of the vernacular. Mm. You don't want to use the same terminology. So we would talk about the entry to the forward line. Ah. And the entry is essentially the kick that goes inside 50 or the exit mm. from the pocket. That's the kick that goes. You don't exit defence in a sense. Unless you go beyond that 50-metre arc in defence. So now we can talk about long entry to the pocket, which means, well, it started from outside 50, or chip to the back pocket from a kick-in, now the exit to half-back. Don't even have to say it's a kick, because you know from the pocket to half-back must be a kick, and you use the term exit, which suggests that they are moving to another part of the ground. Mm. Francie from Bribey Island, hello. Oh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, 
Just before I ask my question, I used to do scoring um, for Country Week in the mid-50s mm-hmm. and the boys from the country used to think it was quite hilarious when it was announced that the bowler had bowled a maiden over. Like, <laughs> innocent days. <laughs> um, yes, umpires and refs, referees, I understand that, you know, cricket and um, tennis have umpires, um, other <clears throat> sports have referees why the um difference Hmm, what's the difference between an umpire and a referee depends on the code doesn't it i think it's just the way that the laws of the game are written Mm. Mm. Rolly. yep yep the 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 interesting thing about the umpire it comes from old french uh, non pair which means not equal so it's actually gone a long way before it got to our modern umpire Mm. Uh, but I, th- I think I think Quentin's right. It's just a matter of which, the code and and the and if you misuse them, mm. and you sound daft. In a sport like tennis, mm. it can be confusing because you have the chair umpire, yes, in charge of the match being played, and the tournament referee, who mm. is the administrator hey. of the entire event. Very different. I wonder if that's the only one that's got both. Mm. It's. Probably. I can't think of another one off the top of my head. Okay. Let's have a listen to uh, the call of Don Bradman's last knock. And Holly pitches the ball up slowly and he's bold. Bradman bold Holly's knock. Bold Holly's knock. I love the crowd. It just goes dead silent. And and there's nothing... That's what happened. They went... Ooh. (laughs) And just shock. It's a great thing yeah. that you bring up, Kel, because the anatomy of the sports broadcast, particularly in an audio form, mm. goes well beyond the spoken word. Mm-hmm. The sound effects microphone and what a crowd tell you can tell you more about what's just happened than any one voice trying to articulate it can. Uh. Mm. So that was when Don Bradman was bowled in his last innings, second ball for a duck, at the, um, uh, at the Oval in 1948. Uh, and a couple of key things there. Y- mm. You need the description of action. Yep. You need the conveying of emotion and the encapsulation of meaning. That's yeah. And to try and do all that in such a small area of time, if you listen to it again... And Holly pitches the ball up slowly and he's bold. Bradman bold Holly's no. Bold Holly's no. And he repeats it. He can't believe mm. it. And yep. the, the, no, the thing just goes quiet and flat. Unbelievable. You know, the unthinkable has yeah. struck. And that encapsulates the meaning of it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the voice can never be out of sync mm. with the stadium sound effects. Ooh. Well, let's, let's go then to Norman May and another, you know, quintessential Australian call. Forget the rest. Who can win? Fox is just a fraction in front. Stroke they take to go. 15 metres from a gold medal for Australia. 15 metres. 10 metres now. Fox in front. It could be Australia's goal. 5 metres. 4, 3, 2, 1. Goal! Goal to Australia. Goal! 345.7. It was so exciting, that call. <laughs> 1980, the 4x100 medley oh, yeah. relay. Mm. The Americans had always won that event, but mm. boycotted the 1980 yeah. games in the Russian capital, or the USSR capital, as it yep. was back then. Uh, so, again, that, the anatomy of the broadcast. You need the description of what's happening. You hear Norman calling the swimmer mm. into the wall. You can hear the emotion in his voice. Well, And, and the emotion is part of the, the meaning. USA had dominated this event. Australia had been close. No Americans. There's the excitement. 
And then, of course, the previous Olympic Games, Australia hadn't won yeah. a gold medal. Mm. So there was this great drought when it came to Olympic gold medal success. When do you start the wind-up? Mm. Is it possible to do a crescendo over all four laps of a, of a relay, say? You need to, again, make sure that your crescendo mirrors that of the physicality yeah. of the contest and mm. the sound in the stadium. And, I mean, one of the great calls in, in swimming that I remembered was from great friend and colleague Jerry Collins when yeah. he called the smash em like guitars Sydney Olympic gold medal, the 4x100 freestyle relay, which, again, very similar to that event. Mm. The Americans had never been beaten in it at the Olympics. And, of course, Gary Hall Jr. comes out and says, yeah, we're going to smash the Australians like guitars. But then young Thorpey was a part of a team that mm. beat the Americans for the first time. And because it was a home games, the crescendo inside the Sydney Olympic Park swimming venue was so loud. That's where the discipline really has to come in in the broadcaster's voice to ensure that, yes, we're all excited, but the moment doesn't arrive until my voice tells you the moment has arrived and yep. so on and so forth. It is like opera. It is. It's very, it's very much a, um, an art. An art, yeah. 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 Um, now, a couple of comments. David from Jimboomba said, in first-class cricket in Australia and internationals, there's an umpire and a match referee. Yes, that's another one. And athletics has umpires and referees. Oh, mm. there we go. Yeah, mm. interesting. Now, I want to play some of your work. Quentin Hull. It's, uh, these what have you are, chosen? Uh, no, a little bit of your, your Usain Bolt calls oh, okay. because they were brilliant. And once again, they, they show that form, that structure of a call that you talk about. Gallant still leads. Bolt's getting to him now. And Bolt will do the hat-trick. Lightning strikes thrice. Usain Bolt with 120 metres to go. He comes around the bend. He slingshots for home. He's got about three or four metres on the field. Running strongly on the inside is the grass. But Bolt's going to win. There are champions. There are legends. And then there's Bolt. Now it's the handover from Ashley to Bolt. Bolt's got it in hand. He's behind Japan. Japan leads. But Bolt. 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 Did you have any voice by the end of that Olympics? I was totally exhausted <laughs> by the end of the track and field program, as you can. So that's all I could muster. <sighs> that last call was the uh, the, yeah. the four by one hundred metres relay. Yep. The one in the middle was the the two hundred, and the, the first one was was the one hundred. Yeah. So when you and other broadcasters are setting up for those big events, like you know you're going to be calling an Usain Bolt one hundred metre final. What sort of things are you thinking about as you go into that call? Because I can't imagine you're, you're magnificently prepared um, and people will take for granted that you just do it off the cuff, whereas we know that nothing that sounds excellent really ever comes off the cuff. How do you prepare yourself for that sort of a call so that you are prepared but you're also natural? The first thing you're thinking about is don't stuff it up, don't stuff it up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I've worked 20 years to earn a reputation in broadcasting. This could be undone in 10 seconds. That's and that's it. the kind of pressure that comes mm. with the men's 100-metre final. I doubt that there is a greater pressured moment mm -hmm. in sports broadcasting yep. than calling the 100 metres final at the Olympic Games because it is such a small window mm. where so many things can happen and so much can go wrong. So... Again, it's just the, the performance of it mm -hmm. comes to a point where you do need to be physically, mentally in the right state of mind. Uh, and, of course, 
think of the simple things. Describe the action. Mm. When you hear the call halfway down the straight, I still told you that Justin Gatlin was in front. That's the most important thing. People mm. want to know where's Bolt, where's his enemy? Mm. Where are the others? If the others come into the story, mm -hmm. you need to be ready to tell that story. Mm. But luckily for me in that 100 final, it was apparent that it was either going to be Gatlin or Bolt. So you have that moment, watch everyone, see what's happening, and then piece by piece you can whittle away the story. By 50 metres down, the story was either going to be Gatlin wins or Bolt wins. So mm. then you can focus in on that story while still being aware of what's behind you. And, of course, convey the emotion of what's happening, the crescendo of the crowd. One of the things that most pleased me about that call is we always talk about beating the crowd. Mm. I've given you the winner. That slips split second just before the crowd roars in yep. recognition of, of oh, what's happened. So mm. you're priming things. And yeah. then the, the, the part that's planned, I mean, it, it is so hard that, the the lightning strikes thrice, which is that was mm. that almost weighed me down like an anchor in my mind because it's this this line that it just actually came to me um, when I was in London and mm. Bolt wins a second time. They say lightning never strikes twice, you know, and this all this you know his name's Bolt, he's fast as yep. lightning, blah blah blah. And anyway, that was just there. I got through sort of calling the rest of the field, and I've edited that up. There's a there's a gap between mm. Bolt winning. And then I call the run through and then I say at the end, the encapsulation of meaning for the moment, lightning strikes thrice. Mm. No one had ever won three in a row. He's the fastest there ever has been. His name's Bolt and he's a sprinter. <laughs> it's it's just do it. too poetic. And drop, it's one of the few the users of thrice in modern English. I've got some people, uh, what does that mean? Yeah. Lightning strikes thrice. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Lovely Not phrase. used very often. Yeah. Mm. Three times. I, I've got another question yes. about names mm. because the Olympics um, is a good example. Um, more recently, AFL, I think, but also, also tennis, which has become a very mm. international game. I mean, there was a time when it was the Americans and us. But now you get names like Justine now. Is she Enna or Henin or whatever? Justine Enna. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Now, if you say it the way the French do, the Australians may not associate that with the writing. If you pronounce it the way it's written, you may, in fact, make it unintelligible to anyone else. Mm. And we've got some things like Jake um, Trbojevic, yep. um, which is what, Trbojevic now? No, it's Trbojevic. It's Tr. Trbojevic okay. is the way that we pronounce he and his brother, who uh, play for Manly. Okay, except that in, in either Serbian or Croatian, where they come from, it is Trbojevic, because mm. R is a vowel in these languages. Oh, and that's and it's, there's a history of that across all sport. You know, the great Brisbane Broncos forward Petro Thevenatheva. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thevenatheva. Yeah, it's Thevenatheva. It's a Yeah. Ah. Yeah. It was a TH, was it? Thevenatheva. Okay. More but so that's, that. Unfortunately, that just sounds like you have a lisp. Well, that's... Even though that is the correct pronunciation. And we have a lot of examples of, essentially, if your name is John Smith and you want to be called Jones, well, we have mm. to call you John Jones. <laughs> even though, <laughs> even though yep. the name you want to be called by may have nothing to do with what name mm. looks like. Mm. For example, when the uh, Queensland Reds uh, winger started he was known as digby ioni but then mm. he wanted to have it pronounced more the islander traditional way and ioni became yuani yep. we have the fianga twins sire and anthony who played for the queensland reds as well but they actually are fianga -ah because they have that apostrophe yeah, between the right. two a's mm -hmm. yet they didn't prefer it pronounced that way so we went with that and at the moment we have sefa agassi where we do pronounce the apostrophe because that's the way he prefers it mm. so when did you 
that change come in, do you think, where names used to be anglicised mm. and, and unfortunately people just lived with it? I, I can remember a bowler called Lenny Pascoe, who I think yes. was Pascovich or something like that. Uh, yeah, I think he was too. There was a, yeah, there yeah. Was a, a, a European... He, but he anglicised, did he anglicise yeah, that? Yeah, he anglicised it, yes, because he, he felt, I think they felt that in cricket a, a, a name is a, as, as mm. obviously European would be a bit of a problem. Whereas now, nowadays, I mean, we've got Gurgic and, and is it Tomic or Tomic? Now, in, in Croatian, it's Tomic. Mm. Right? But what well, does he want? So you're actually educating the and public. And at the same time that Bernard Tomic was coming through, a woman who was only a couple of years older than him of similar lineage was known as Jelena Dokic. Mm. Yep. So you have essentially what the family would like their uh, their name to be pronounced you you go with what, with what the family prefers Out of I mean, respect it's and nice. sometimes it can change from generation to generation i'll refer to a carlton and essendon footballer scott camparelli mm-hmm. oh yes his father in south australia was known as camparelli ah all right so, so it can change in families from generation to generation. Mm. In addition to which, of course, we shorten them. So Jezelenko was Jezza and Dipia Domenico mm. was Dipper. And, and of course, oh, Hannah, that's just an Australian thing to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, you've got uh, Hannah Mandelikova, which, yes. you know, or mm. Martina Navratilova, mm-hmm. who really should have been Navratilova. And then you have Maria mm. Sharapova, but she is Sharapova because. She was essentially a child when she moved to the United States, mm. and the majority of her upbringing was with an anglicised name, but of course she's Russian, so it should be Sharapova. Dead right, and mm. not many people know that. So you're actually an educator as well in terms of... <laughs> <laughs> what it should be. No, I'm serious. You know, This is yeah. the way in which people actually learn mm. something about what a particular sports person wants to be called, and out mm. of respect you then follow that through. And I love the way these, these examples have changed. And yeah. there's a New Zealand hockey player whose name is spelt I-N-G-L-I-S. The yeah. same as Inglis. Greg Inglis. His yes. name is Joe, uh, not Joe, what's his first name? Uh, it's Engels, pronounced like the basketballer. Oh. Engels. Oh. So he's yeah. I-N-G-L-I-S. Engels. But he is known as Engels. I just want to play those Spanish soccer commentators <laughs> again because uh, they're sensational. Let's have a listen. Allá va el portugués con pierna derecha, el golpeo de Cristiano, qué golazo. Golazo de Cristiano Ronaldo para el Real Madrid. Do you do warm up exercises? Um Yeah, sort of. I mean, it's I'm very lucky because like any part of your body that you use regularly it's it's stronger than others and and mm. your, your voice is just a muscle like any other muscle in the body so you know it, it's pretty healthy but particularly this time of year yep. when you've got colds and flus going around and we all suffer mm. with that you don't want to strain it to a point where it can't be used any further you will operate under duress but yeah warm-up's always very important yeah Rolly sussex mm, that a- has been fascinating it has yeah. Quentin Hall, thank you. I'm trying to think now of who can I who can I get out of uh, James Roberts? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Jonathan Brown gets the goal. Well, you, you do about 17 times a second. Do you? Yeah. If you are a speaker nice. of these languages, oh. there you go. That's yeah. fantastic, though. And uh, you know, every culture has their. You know, their passion for whatever sport it is mm-hmm. that they have. Um, unlike John Arliss and Alan McGilvery, who were much, much calmer. Yes, well, sport, well cricket's like that. Yeah. Except for 2020. Well, and just to finish, we have adopted with the times when it comes to 
the vernacular that we use, the terms of, mm. of language that we use, the way we talk, yeah. and also the, the pace of games. So it, it's, it's, a, it's an organism which keeps evolving language, as we know. And, of course, when sport evolves with it, you've got these two evolving organisms that mm. our job is still to try and convey the story of what's happening through our language yeah. that hopefully you can understand and through a game yeah. which is changing, which hopefully you get a better understanding of. I have, I have a particular loving for, for, the, for the radio reports. I, I will often have the TV on, but I'm listening to the radio commentary. Mm. Yep. They sometimes get better. better. Good man. Good man. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Ollie Sussex. Yeah, you want the last word? I certainly do. Okay, from America, a, uh, a, a rather junior baseball game. Now batting the right fielder, number 12, Pathogen. And there was complete confusion in the batting lineup. And then they said, oh, I'm sorry, Pat Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Quentin Hull. Good on you, Kel. <laughs> You're listening to ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland.